This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Equity Mates! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett's status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. I am excited for this episode, as excited as you can be when things are tough, but... Things are also on sale, I guess. Yes, you could say that. But yeah, no, we're uh, we're officially in a bear market. Well, the US is officially in a well, bear... Well, the S&P specifically. That's the US. <laughs> well, the Nasdaq's been in one. It's down 30%. Yeah. I think only just. I think it's down like yeah, tw- 20, I think, 20.9%. I think it was that, that, brutal, um, that brutal Monday in the US yeah. um, that, well, and then Tuesday here, which we'll talk about. Because that, that felt like a tough day. It did feel like a tough day. Yeah. feel like a bit of uh, sentiment changed. And for those that have just joined us and are wondering what a bear market is, it's a decline of 20% or more from its a market's recent highs. And that is what happened on the S&P 500 over in the States this week. As I said, the NASDAQ 100, the tech index, uh, is down well over 20%. Here in Australia, uh, we we are not. I think the we're ASX two hundred is about thirteen from thirteen. From yeah, memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good memory. Not quite the uh, not quite the bear market, but um, it, it's certainly trending in the right direction. So does it matter? Does the difference between nineteen and twenty percent matter? I think psychologically, yeah. for some people, it matters. You know, you've, you've you hit over that twenty percent. All bear market headlines start coming. I think that's the thing. Yeah, headlines like self perpetuating. The, the thing that really stood out for me on Tuesday in Australia was the amount of mainstream headlines talking about it. Like the ABC News had a live like blog about the stock market. I was like, what's going on here? You never do this when the market's up 4% in a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here we are <laughs> talking about ripping. it. <laughs> BHP ripping. yeah. But uh, this episode, we're just going to uh, have a bit of a chat about what's been going on in markets of, of late. We'll recap the events of, of uh, Tuesday last week, what some of the key uh, movements are from central banks around the world. Of course, we can't uh, have an episode without chatting about inflation Later on in the episode, we'll unpack some of the comments and investment moves by Stanley Druckenmiller. Yeah, one of the greatest investors of all time. Had an interesting quote, uh, but 
it sort of inspired us to have a look at his portfolio. And the great news is with some of the tools today, you can really have a good look at what the expert investors are buying. Yes. And so we had a look at uh, some of his biggest holdings. And Bryce, interesting note, uh, Stan Druckenmiller, one of the best investors of all time, I don't know if there's like a he may maybe doesn't get a podium finish. Buffett probably number one, Peter Lynch maybe number two, mm-hmm. but he would be top ten, mm, top five sure. even, multi multi billionaire. Yeah, he owns a, multiple Australian companies. Wow, in his port in his in some of his top holdings in his portfolios. Do you want to have a guess which ones, or do we wait and we'll wait? I could guess. Do you want to guess now? Uh, no, let's wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting you know I could guess. All right, we'll guess. <laughs> no, no, I'll wait. You could. Well, You're not it, going look, to, but you could. He's definitely not going to be invested in Australia's tech sector. Uh, so I'd have to say it would be, um, it's got to be in commodities would be my, my guess. Yeah. Um, specifically the big ones. <laughs> Rio. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Rio and BHP. BHP. He owns both of those. So we're going to go under the hood and have a look at Stanley Druckenmiller's portfolio, some of the companies he holds. But first, Bryce, let's talk about the overall market. I think the headline right now, at least my big takeaway, is there's nowhere to hide. From thinking about sectors that you could be invested in that aren't getting hit? Yeah, or yeah. even asset classes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Australian residential property. <laughs> Although, no, people are saying it might fall. Yeah, it might. <laughs> might is different to down 20 plus percent. So uh, these numbers are from the US, but I think they sort of indicate where we're going. So inflation, 8%. So what does that mean? Cash, nowhere to hide. The value of your money is getting yeah. less. So if you think eroding. hiding in a bank account. Yeah, you can't put it in a savings account. If your savings account pays 1% interest and inflation is 8%, your money is losing value. Mm -hmm. So you can't keep it in cash. So you've got to invest it. Over the past 12 months, the S&P 500 is down about 10%. The bond market, the US bond market is actually down more. It's down about 12% over the past 12 months. So you can't hide in stocks, you can't hide in bonds. Uh, Gold, Traditionally known as a hedge against inflation. So meaning that when you see periods of high inflation, gold should be equally going up. Meaning (laughs) that as the value of cash erodes, gold holds its value. Yeah. Gold's actually down 4% over the past 12 months. Nice. Bitcoin. Digital uh, gold. This should be fine. <laughs> the new uh, the new hedge against inflation, or so it was built, down about 40% over the past 12 months. I, um, I put something up on our Instagram uh, asking, what's the point of Bitcoin if, it, if it's not a store of value? How'd that go? Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> so there hasn't really been any good places to hide. One exception. Well, there's been a couple, but the, the main exception. Property property. Yeah. In the US over the past 12 months on average property's up about 20%. In Australia it's probably up about the same, don't I don't know. I don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just inaccessible. It is. And um I'd love to see it go the other direction. I'd love to just get in on it. Yeah. I'd love to get in on it and then for it to only ever go up. <laughs> <laughs> then we join the property bandwagon. Right? Um the the one exception here has been commodities. Mm. So um oil prices iron ore prices, coal prices, like commodities have done well and stocks that are exposed to those prices. So the oil producers, the coal miners, the, all, all of those companies have done incredibly well. Yeah, And also surprisingly, one other asset class, the US dollar 
mm. has gone really mm. well. Mm. Do you want to explain why that is? It's the reserve currency. It Every, is, everyone's yeah. everyone's uh, heading back to safer safer waters. And as interest rates rise, those safer waters get more attractive as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the key takeaway for me here, Ren, is that a lot of things are down and, and even within within stocks, most sectors are down, probably a bar commodities. Yeah. Um, and so what you probably people might be sitting there and go, Well, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, what, in I, a, in what are you supposed in to do in a time like this? I think this is just a classic example of the reasons why we talk so much about the importance of diversifying when you're building a portfolio. Oh, so you can lose money on lots of different assets. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> if you had got caught up in the hype of just going uh, US tech growth stocks yeah. and that's all you had in your portfolio, um, then you're going to be probably hurting more than if you had taken a broad-based exposure to an ASX ETF, an S&P ETF, some commodities, a little bit of gold. You know, your portfolio sort of becomes a little bit more stable than if you were to be seriously concentrated in one key sector. So easier said than done when you can when you're in a bull market and everything's going up. Here's, but, um, here's a few stats from that one key sector. So the Nasdaq index is the American um, index which has a lot of the tech names in it, about four thousand eight hundred names in total. We only really speak about the big ones. We only speak about four. <laughs> <laughs> but of that, of the Nasdaq uh, index, Nasdaq Composite index. of those stocks are down 50% or more Mm -hmm. from their high point in the last year. 20% of those stocks, one in five, are down 80% or more. And that just goes to show that there is a reason why people talk about diversifying. Diversifying, yeah. (laughs) And I know that it's difficult in a time when the the tech stocks are absolutely ripping and giving you sort of 10, 20, 30, 40% returns and you look at your gold or you look at a broad-based ASX and it's giving 2, 3, 4%, but uh, equally it goes the other way. So yeah. um, there is definitely value in diversifying and so I'm, I'm hoping that this is uh, a time that people... There's value in diversifying or going that. all in on Australian residential property. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bloody property. Um, there was some stat that in the US, 2,700 ETFs, maybe too many you could say, it's a lot. Anyway, yeah. not for us to judge. Uh, only 6% have outperformed inflation over the past 12 months. And basically, they're all the energy and commodity ETFs. So it, it's been tough out there, regardless of the asset class. And I think that's the reality of the situation. And it might get tough for a little bit longer, but, you know, long term, yeah. long term investing. That is the thing. Whatever asset class you're interested in, zoom out, think about the long term because. Don't invest any money that you need in the short term, but long term, these are the opportunities that people look back on and they're like, I wish I had bought in 2000. I wish I had bought in 2008. It's getting more and more likely that people are going to start saying, I wish I'd bought in 2022. That's so, it. Maybe we should make a t-shirt that says, I wish I bought in 2022. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> uh, we do. We are very weak on the old merch game. So Maybe it's a, I have bought in 2022 or I wish I bought in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe I wish I bought in 2023. 
Okay. As well, I said, not great at the merch <laughs> game. Not great at the merch game. Anyway, let's keep moving. All right, now, Bryce, if, give if, me uh, one minute or less on what happened this week. Yeah, well, here in Australia anyway, it was a big day uh, Tuesday last week uh, and it all kicked off over in the States on the previous Friday. Yeah, I mean, here in Australia it was Tuesday. Over in the States and in Europe it was Monday. We just had the Queen's birthday yeah, long we had weekend. Yeah, a bit of a public so we, holiday. We got delayed and then it was a bit worse. But wherever you are listening in the world... This week started tough. Last week, yeah. Last week when you're listening. So, yes. yeah, yeah. So, what happened? Uh, inflation figures came out in the US that were higher than expected. People were starting to have, uh, have a bit of a chit chat that we might have seen the peak of inflation wrong. You're not going to do this in a minute, are you? No, 8, <laughs> 8.6% was the uh, annualized US inflation figure. So, higher than expected. And of course, the markets reacted to that in a pretty significant way, selling off, I guess, on fears that we're not at the peak and um, that uh, the US Treasury should do something about it. So between Friday and Monday, Ren, the two-year Treasury moved up 50 basis points. This was the only time that it has moved so quickly since the GFC and in the early 1980s when Volcker broke the back of inflation. How, how much time do I have left? <laughs> oh, you've gone well over time. I was thinking if you did this in a pithy minute, we could cut it for like Instagram reels and, you know, it's like uh, Bryce describes what happened in a minute. Oh, true. I could do it. Well, I'm, I'm halfway it. through now. <laughs> <laughs> what else happened? The two and 10 year uh, inverted Ren and this is a indication some, you know, it's often an indication that we're heading into times of recession. What that means is the yield on the two year is uh, better than the yield on the 10 year, essentially saying that our outlook and confidence over the longer term is not so great. No, our outlook and confidence in the short term is not so great. Short term is not so great. Okay. And then Monday, as we said, it was tough for everyone. The US... Uh, Stock exchange was down 4%, NASDAQ down 5%, Germany down 3%, UK and France down 2% and then Australia followed on Tuesday when we were back from our holiday. Yeah, I woke up on Tuesday and I have a bad habit of uh, just Googling S&P 500 when I wake up. Saw it was down like 4.5% and you just knew that, okay, Today is... Yeah, we're in for a yeah. roughie. I think we both did a walking video yes. on the way to work that morning. Um, if you're not following Bryce's walking videos on our Instagram, you're missing out. I don't know about that, but yeah, head over and check him out. It's, anyway. It's, it's getting such a cult following that two, at least two of our competitors, I won't name them, but I've seen have copied you. Yes, I'm not going <laughs> to name either. And it's made me think that I'm going to change my style. Yeah. Handstand. No, I, it's funny you say that. I thought last night of doing something upside down for some reason. No, nah, I'm thinking something different. Uh, watch this space. Anyway, 4% down uh, in Australia, 88 billion wiped from the market. So globally, it was a, a pretty big uh, a pretty big global wipeout. So Bryce, let me ask you the big question. Why does $12 lettuce hurt the value of BHP? Uh, good question because I am spending less... I don't know. I should listen to the dive. <laughs> <laughs> well, we spoke about um, some of those potent symbols of inflation around the world on the dive. So, twelve dollar lettuce in Australia took the world, yeah. took the media by storm. Eight dollar a gallon gas in LA in the US. Yeah. Similarly, over there, record. I think. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, Thirteen pounds for fish and chips in the UK. They think one third of the ten thousand fish and chips shops in the UK might be forced to shut down. <sighs> yeah, so we we covered that in the dive. But no, the question is, um, what is in like what does twelve dollar lettuce have to do with the value of BHP? It's more 
because pay, you know, like why is inflation hurting every stock? Like why is it why isn't it just hurting certain stocks that are more exposed to inflation? And the reason is interest rates. The reason is uh, the way that central banks respond to inflation is by cutting interest. Oh, sorry, by raising interest rates, mm. and that cuts consumer spending. That makes money more expensive, harder to borrow, uh, and then that just has a dampening effect across the economy. Mm. People are spending more on their mortgages and less on going out and eating, and that's why the whole market got decimated rather than just individual pockets. Yeah. Yeah, and this is why I think I said in last episode as well, I definitely don't feel like this is the end of it because, and this is um, just going a little bit off piste here, but this is just, I think what comes next is our earnings seasons and I don't think we've seen a a real reflection of what's going on flow through to company earnings and I don't think that we've seen a, uh, we're probably in for a period of downgrades I reckon that are are going to be coming, particularly consumer discretionary. TVs, JB Hi-Fi's, Harvey Norman's, those those companies that they're, they're the ones that you're going to start to see get, yeah. hit, get hit. I reckon. Yeah. That's my point. Nice. <laughs> the thing is, if they sell less TVs, but inflation pushes the price up of each individual TV, maybe those things net out. Yeah, but that, I don't. Does, J, <laughs> does JB push on that? Anyway, uh, what's happening with central banks around around well, the world? So the point around interest rates then leads to the big thing that everyone was watching this week. So the week started with oh my God, inflation was higher than expected. And then everyone turned to, there's a lot of central banks making interest rates decisions on the back end of this week. Now, when people are listening to this on Monday, all five of these central banks will have made decisions. But when we're recording this on Thursday, uh, not all of the decisions have come through. Yes, But let's talk about them. So the big one that everyone was like, all right, this is the focus, the US. The US was uh, Federal Reserve was making an interest rate decision. We know what they've done. They raised interest rates 0.75%, 75 basis points, which is high. Yeah. Australia raised it 50 basis points yeah. and everyone was thought that was high. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly the market ripped today. I'm going to be con- I'm going to say the not surprising because yeah. it was priced in. Yeah, I think it was an expectation. So I think the difference was when the RBA here in Australia raised rates 50 basis points, that was actually above the expectation from the market, which was a maximum of 40 basis points. And so that's why our market, I think, went the other way. Mm. I think if the US had raised more than 75, we would have seen the opposite reaction, like, oh my God, it's actually worse than we thought. But 75, I think, has been what the market wanted. And so they're like, hip, hip, hooray. And this is the weird thing about the market. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They also, so like, the, the Fed raised 75 and said, basically said, and we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, what's interesting when you read, uh, you know, some of the commentary coming out about the Fed is that they've got a committee that essentially votes on the interest rate rise, but then they also put in what they think interest rates will get to and you kind of get a sense of where the committee, the spread. Some of them are saying that they anticipate by the end of the year, three, three and a half, even I think a three or four of the committee members are thinking a 4% interest rate by, really? the, by the end of the year, which is an incredible movement between now and the end of the year. Yeah. Someone was saying, I can't remember where, someone was saying you need um, real interest rates to be positive. So basically you need an interest rate to be higher than your inflation rate. Why? I don't know. I'm not an economist. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, You probably don't. But like, yeah, uh, the more you think about that, the more you don't. If that was the case, that 
wearing like for that. a rude shock. Yeah. Impossible. Anyway, not impossible. Well, not but impossible. That'd be like <laughs> taking would, rates up two, two, 200 basis points every time almost. It would break the back of the economy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so US up 75 basis points. We, we had the RBA about um, less about a month ago, push up 50 basis points. What's happening in the UK, Ren? So they come in tomorrow at time of recording. Um, they come in on Friday. Uh, the expectation of a fifth straight rate hike. So we'll see. Not that interesting. The next two I think are interesting, Brazil and Switzerland. They're, cu- they're coming in today and so Switzerland actually. Their interest rate, 13.25%. Jeez. Currently, nice. Well, not nice. Yeah, it's incredibly un- not nice. Uh, but Brazil's inflation rate is at twelve percent as well. Oh, there you go. Scenario of real interest rates. True. I don't know if that's a thing. Oh, well, let's just Look. keep saying it. Um, but yeah, so like an incredibly difficult inflation situation. When I was reading about this, that it just the only thing I could think is. So much of this inflation is supply driven at the mm, moment. It's mm, not mm, demand driven. Mm, it's not mm. we printed too much money and there's more money chasing the same amount of resource. It's that there's less resource and the same amount of money is chasing it. Yeah. Like and it feels like until we can solve those underlying problems like the oil uh, energy prices, food prices, transport prices. I know it's it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Um, I mean in theory and we had someone in our community ask us how it ri- rising interest rates actually com- combats inflation when it is supply driven. And I think in theory it's obviously you're trying to suppress demand yeah, you break, for the product yeah, you so break that the supply can yeah. come can sort of catch up. Yeah. But um in instances where the supply shortages are in products that are so integral to uh, our society, it's a a lot, a lot more difficult. So inflation explained in a minute or less, it's supply and demand. And we often think of, when we think of inflation, we think of demand side inflation, where there's too much money and the economy is producing the same amount of resource and too much money is chasing it, pushing prices up. And the way that you solve that is there's less money chasing it or you produce more, you get more mm. productive and you get back in equilibrium. So that's demand side. And then supply side is there's the same amount of money in the economy, but there's less supply. And so then prices get pushed up because of less supply. The way that's solved is you break the back of demand, so it comes back down into equilibrium, or you increase the supply back to what it was before. We're living in a situation where s- demand has been pumped the last few years through money printing. But then there was a massive supply shock through Russia's war in Ukraine and a few other things. And so we've sort of had the equilibrium thrown both ways. And that's why it's so out of whack in the mm, moment. Mm. And so, we're, you know, we're talk- people are talking about where will we see demand destruction for like oil? Like what are their fuel prices need to be before people stop buying? And it keeps getting higher yeah. and we're not seeing a lot of demand destruction. Um, so really the interest rates are a pretty blunt tool but they're the best tool that governments and central banks have but this is both like a demand side and a supply side problem Mm, that mm. needs to come back into equilibrium yeah fascinating time so ren uh to close out central bank movements switzerland also coming in today but they have a negative interest rate yeah so brazil and switzerland seem to be the two opposite sides of the equation brazil 13.25 percent switzerland negative 0.75 percent they actually pay you to borrow money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they charge you to save money. Yeah. 
Doesn't the European Central Bank also have negative interest rates? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Switzerland has had a zero negative uh, 0.75 interest rate for seven years, uh, and this could be their first move upwards in seven years. Wow. The point is central banks are moving, and some for the first time in a long time. Yes. And it's just fascinating. Two years ago, here we were sitting with plenty of experts who said we're going to have a low rate interest rate environment for the foreseeable future. Yeah, inflation was transitory. Uh, in their defense, no, even before inflation, the, it was they were just like, "There, we cannot see a world where interest rates are going to go up." In their defense, I feel I would love to know what the counterfactual is if Russia didn't invade Ukraine. Yeah, if of course. everything but else it, was held equal and Russia didn't invade Ukraine, would inflation have been transitory? We don't know. Would the Fed have stopped printing money would the stock market have maybe corrected a little bit but like these energy prices and food prices and all of that stuff mm, like mm. it's obviously an impossible counterfactual but I, I don't think we can criticize the experts so much the facts oh, i'm not criticizing the, i'm just saying the facts how, changed and, yeah i'm yeah. just saying how you can never make a statement that like that really you yeah know, like you yeah. just never know all right and, um and experts are asked to predict because they're asked not because they know yeah yeah so ren you mentioned at the top uh stanley Druckenmiller uh has released a pretty interesting quote and uh we're going to pick that up and have a look at what investments he's been making right after this break small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Ren, Stanley Druckenmiller, one of the world's most famous and successful investors, right up there with Buffett, with Lynch, Graham, Dalio, you name it, uh, he's there. He's released a pretty interesting quote. Yeah, so he said this at an investment conference recently. This is my 45th consecutive year as a chief investment officer. In 45 years, I've never seen a constellation or frankly studied one where there's no historical analogue. Right now, I probably have more humility in terms of my views going forward than I've ever had. Yeesh. And this stood out because the whole exercise of stock market anal analysis is arguing by analogy. We talk about tech stocks selling off and we talk about it's like 2000 or we talk about uh, high inflation and we talk about the 1970s and early 1980s. But Stanley Druckenmiller is basically saying, throw all history out the window, I can't see a similar time. Yeah. Which is a little bit scary. Doesn't give us much hope, us mere retail investors. <laughs> I, uh, I remain incredibly hopeful. <laughs> I just think it's like you're not going to pick this market better than the experts or better than anyone. Like that's the, the idea isn't to like 
trade into short-term profits here because no, 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 no. The, the point is that it's near impossible. We, we spoke to um, the CEO of GQG Partners who's an ASX-listed fund manager based over in the States though and they were just saying like the number of cross-currents at the moment yeah. and trying to pick what's happening next is yeah. just near impossible. We've got that interview coming up this Thursday. So I think Stanley Druckenmiller, he can't find a historical analog. He's got more intellectual humility than he's ever had in his career and it has been an incredible career. He returned about 30% a year for his fund, didn't have one losing year. So, sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> he's worth about $7 billion. Um, so for him to say he's never had more humility than in this moment I think is relevant. But the great thing is we can then look under the hood and look in his portfolio and we've, we figured why not? Let's see what he's buying. Let's see what he's holding. We went on Ticker, T-I-K-R. Uh, if you, if you want to do the same, if you want to have a look at what the experts are buying, you can sign up for free uh, using our link, ticker, T-I-K-R.com slash equitymates. Go there, sign up for free. It's, um, it's our favorite platform. It's an epic resource. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, the amount of information it has on companies and on expert investors. And uh, anyway, go have a look yourself. But um, a few uh, big impressions from Stanley Druckenmiller's portfolio. Let's talk about some of the companies. My first impression, he's incredibly concentrated. His two biggest holdings make up more than 25% of his total portfolio. Uh, his second biggest holding, 13% of his portfolio, Microsoft. Heard of them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but his number one, Coupang. Coupang. I actually haven't heard of Coupang. I, neither have I. I was going to ask you that. Coupang. Uh, CPNG is the ticker, 14% of his portfolio. Trading in New York, but South Korean. Okay. Now, interestingly, when I Googled this company, I think we have spoken to an expert about them before. They're the biggest online marketplace in South Korea. Rings a bell. Yeah, like the Amazon of South Korea. Yeah. Uh, and they've got a bunch of different businesses. They've got food delivery. They've got um, gaming and video streaming. And then they've got um, like online retail, I guess. Yeah. You remember that? I think yeah, maybe. Yeah, I do. I can't remember who we spoke to about it. But yeah, they, uh, they're pretty big. There should be an ETF that takes the largest e-commerce slash super apps in each continent or country and puts them together like like uh, Mercado Libre, C, these guys, Jumia, Jumia in Africa. Yeah. Amazon. The, there's always one massive player Gumtree. in Gumtree, <laughs> Kogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, don't Wait. steal it out there. We'll do that. Are you sure it doesn't exist? I'm not sure. No, it probably does. Because there's all those like long, long e-commerce, short bricks and mortar ETFs. Is there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, well, look, I haven't done any research into that. I'm not. It probably does exist. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's plow on. Okay. So, Coupang. Uh, Coupang. Yeah, yeah. And then Microsoft. Microsoft. So, 25% of his portfolio, pretty concentrated. Second impression. It gets more concentrated from there. So he has about 25 stocks in total, but the top five are 50% of the portfolio. Yeah, wow. Okay, seriously concentrated. What do they say? Concentrate to build, build wealth, diversify to protect it. Yeah. Yeah. Do they say that or do you say that? No, no. That, well, I'm, I'd be stoked if I said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said it. Uh, yeah, concentrate to build, diversify to protect. So what has he got? Freeport, McMoran. 
his, his third uh, largest holding at 10%, FCX. I haven't heard of them. Big American mining company. I hadn't heard of them either. I'm just Googling them. Um, revenue of $15 billion, profit of two. Not bad. Okay. And then uh, keeping on the e-commerce theme, he's got Amazon yep. 8% and Chevron at 6%. Yeah. Of all the tech companies, he's gone with Microsoft and uh, then Amazon as well. Well, I feel like... I feel like having Coupang and Amazon, it's an e-commerce play, you would think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Definitely um, e-commerce play. Yeah. Or maybe you group Amazon and uh, Microsoft as a web services play. Yes, Or maybe he just likes all these businesses individually. Yeah, there's big crossover. And we're trying to draw yeah. connections where there are none. <laughs> if you're listening, Stanley, uh, let us know. Open invitation. <laughs> um, but the Chevron one is interesting because I'm pretty sure Buffett got into Chevron a little bit more and also mm. Occidental. Occidental feels like the one that Buffett loves, Occidental Petroleum. But it feels like a lot of expert investors are getting oil exposure through Chevron in particular, not through any of the other oil majors. I'm not sure what you read into that. I don't own any oil companies or have done a lot of research on them, but it feels like Chevron is the name that comes up more than like a a Shell or an Exxon or anyone like yeah. that. Yeah. And to be clear, it is the oil uh, company we're talking about, not the car brand. <laughs> Chevron. There's a there's a car brand Chevron. Okay. Yeah. Are they listed? I don't think so. They probably own cars. Cars are just like funny, massive conglomerates. It's like um there's alcohol. Like, there's actually only two car companies. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. There are more than two, but they're incredibly consolidated. So he's got five uh five stocks that make up fifty percent of his portfolio. Ren, and then you did say at the top that he's in. He loves uh he loves Aussie miners. Yes. Uh, Rio Tinto and BHP. Rio Tinto is about five percent of his portfolio BHP is about a little less than five but good to see Australia getting a run I think loves the, mining then Freeport as well yeah so the big takeaway there is uh, a couple of big e-commerce plays Coupang and Amazon but then resources yeah Chevron in oil Rio Tinto and BHP diversified miners Freeport a diversified miner there's some key themes coming out a few other names that I'll just uh, read out from his uh, holdings that I think will get you excited. Palantir Technologies. Nice, but it's been <laughs> pumped. <laughs> how, how badly has it been pumped? Oh, well, even before all of this took off, it was on a pretty significant downward trend. So, yeah. so, so for people unfamiliar with Palantir, they uh, basically sell big data software to they started by selling it to like the cia and then to department of defense and then to police forces and now they sell it to government agencies they're Mm. doing a big tender at the moment they helped the british nhs get through the covid period and now they want to win that contract but they're down about 77 percent from their all-time highs so started by old mate peter teal yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Peter Thiel and then Alex Karp is the uh, CEO. CEO. Yeah. Um, interesting company. Very interesting company. Mm. Um, very controversial company. Have you read the Thiel book? Which one? Uh, the one that came out like last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, contrarian. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a yeah. good one. Highly recommend anyone listening if they're looking for a next their next read. Another company, Booking Holdings. Oh, yeah. Uh, travel. Yeah. Interesting. Yes, interesting. I think my key takeaway here really is that 50% of his portfolio, he's just high conviction, big bets. Yeah. I'm going to run with this. Which is interesting because based on that quote you said earlier, uh, 
Con- consolidate consolidate to build wealth or concent- concentrate to build wealth. Okay. Diversify. But concent- to not like concentrate, think really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is implied. <laughs> concentrate to build wealth, diversify to protect it. Yes. You would think at $7 billion net wealth, he could get to the diversification stage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> maybe this is him diversifying. Maybe, maybe. Uh, a few other ones in there, a few other software plays. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, New York Times. Nice one. Well, um, if you do want to dig in a little, yeah, did you have something else, friend? I just want to say uh, I, I said 25 holdings. He's actually got more. I just didn't see page two. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so call. I'll if- own that. Uh, but a whole bunch of other companies now come up. Snap. Okay. <laughs> he does own C, the company that you SE, mentioned yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so loves it. Uh, he owns Netflix, Expedia, got a bit of a travel travel theme. Look, I could keep going, so yeah. shut me up. Yeah, uh, let's not do that. But if you want to <laughs> see what's on page two, uh, you can head to tikr.com slash equitymates. As we said, one of our favourite stock screeners that are, that's out there. Not one Global, off. well, the favourite. It's global. There is a paid model, but I think they've got a freemium model. Yeah, um, so, you, so can, you can jump on and get access to some indexes. Hey, Bryce, before we go, uh, have you heard of Kazoo Group? I think I have. You know what it does? Kazoos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the smallest holding in his portfolio. Uh, it's a British and European car retailer. Kazoo Group. Well, there you go. I've never heard of them, but that's the joys of looking at an expert's portfolio and seeing the companies that they own. That's it. Well, um, it's been great to chat stocks, Ren. This uh, Thursday, we've got an episode coming up on Equity Mates Investing Podcast. We're chatting with uh, Tim, who is the CEO of GQG Partners, uh, an asset management firm with 100 billion under management. So make sure you tune into that. If you missed our episode last week with Yanis Varoufakis, the ex-Greek Minister of Finance. Make sure you do yourself a favour and go and listen to that one. Uh, But similarly, there's plenty going on across the network. The girls at You're In Good Company spoke to uh, Australia's first Google and Spotify employee uh, on investing in tech, Kate Vale. So uh, that's one that I would recommend going and checking out. Any from you, Ren? Well, Bryce, I've mentioned it before in this episode, but if inflation is on your mind, it's on most of our minds uh it's on the market's mind uh we did an episode on the dive where we uh spoke about some of those potent symbols of inflation that are emerging around the world in the us the uk and australia um so if you can't if you can't get enough of inflation i was trying to think of a joke of like um if the amount of inflation content you want is growing or something, but yeah, I didn't quite no. stick the landing. <laughs> anyway, go listen to The Dive. It's our business news show three times a week and uh, we did an episode titled Lettuce is Just the Tip of the Iceberg. So <laughs> nice. go Very, give that a listen. Well played. <laughs> Ran, it's always great to chat stocks and we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Meets Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. 
Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website, where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.